Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm talking with Greg Spivak. Greg and I have been working together on a lot of fun projects, so I'm really excited to have him on this podcast. His purpose in life is to provide humanity with the tools and knowledge to become a more optimal version of ourselves. He's always looked for ways to optimize performance from an athletic standpoint, which led him to playing Division I college football. From there, he took this curiosity of optimization and dove into understanding consciousness with the Wim Hof Method, while also mapping out the other pillars that go into optimal health and wellness. Today, Greg works one-on-one with clients and also groups around the world to provide the knowledge and experiences to feel optimized, therefore leading to a lifestyle where people pursue it on their own or they keep using his continual support to reach it. Greg believes it is our human right to be happy, healthy, and strong. Really excited to share this conversation. Let's jump right in. I want to dive into just your a little bit of your history because I know just like a snippet of it um, and you got started in working with people to optimize their health and I like that term because there's all these you know fancy terms for things that we do of like wellness coaching and health coaching and life coaching and I don't know but like optimizing your health is something that of what I know about you, you, um, you like embody that like mind, yeah. body and spirit in all the aspects. Yeah. So, um, I want to hear just like the backstory of how you got started and your okay. journey towards optimal health. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely tried to, uh, you know, I practice what I preach. And it's funny. I, I meet, meet people all the time. And they're like, you actually like live kind of like what you, what you, what you, uh, what you promote. I'm like, yeah, it would be a charlatan if I didn't. Right. <laughs> but it's, Sort of a long story. Uh, going back to childhood, I, I grew up in a uh, in a medical household. My dad was was a surgeon. Came over here as a, a Jewish refugee from uh, Ukraine, and basically like was uh, you know had his own practice. You know, saving people's lives. You know, countless times would be out at a restaurant for dinner. Someone would come up to us and say, "Thank you so much, doctor. You saved my life." And uh, so it was it was very normal for me. I didn't you know, want to be on the back end of things where I'm treating the symptoms rather than preventing the problems to begin with uh, from the first place. You know, I remember vividly being in his office after school, playing around, and he'd take me into the patient's rooms, you know, to do, uh, you know, evaluations of, of whatever their conditions were. And just a kind of a stereotypical situation, which I saw numerous times, it'd be like a, uh, some sort of like an immigrant family, three generations there, and you know, not very healthy people. And the, uh, the the grandma would be sitting there, and my dad taught himself how to speak Spanish in a Russian accent, which is hilarious. And he, he'd tell her in Spanish, like, take your sock off, and her foot is completely gangrene. And he tells me, turns out, looks to me, he's like, I'm going to amputate her foot tomorrow. And as a kid, I'm horrified. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to cut off this like, woman's foot tomorrow? So then afterwards, he takes me outside, and he's explaining to me, like, because of lifestyle choices, this woman is now in this position where she has developed diabetes and now it's created this problem that, that we have to, you know, we have to treat the symptom of it essentially. And it, it just never, it still makes sense to me. You know, I was trying to wrap my brain around at such a young age of why is this a problem to begin with? Well, you know, probably because of 
you know, the hardship of life, you know, she was never afforded the, you know, the, uh, the freedoms or the, uh, the possibilities to be able to like, you know, invest into her health and rather just survival. Right. And, you know, we see a lot of the problems in America is just we chase comforts, right? You know, a lot of people obviously live very, you know, live, live very poorly. And it's like, it's just a matter of, we can't think about our health when we're trying to survive. So that really uh, motivated me to, back then was more about performance. And, you know, I, I became about performance and athletics. I went out to play, um, you know, high level, you know, college football, and then also became a national judo champion. But after I got done with my sports, um, I sort of had like a, early twenties crisis of what I was doing, who I was. Um, and I started understanding that I want to help people. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to treat the symptoms. I want to be preventative. And I started getting into uh, all the, all the, you know, time and energy I put towards making myself bigger, faster, stronger for athletics. I put towards you know, how to live as optimally as possible. And this concept of when you wake up in the morning, if you, if you have a choice, do I want to like pursue the best version of myself, my most optimal version of myself, or just an average existence, which you know, ninety-five percent plus of people sort of do because they're just products of their environment. You know, what 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 choice are you going to make? You know, one or the other. And chances are, I mean, if you actually have that conscious choice, you're going to choose you know the first choice, right? I think every single person would would say that. So you know, there was a few sort of you know, people and and brands that I sort of were motivated by way back when. And that just put me on a path of pursuing meditation and consciousness and yoga and, you know, all other different types of functional trainings. I, I now had a, a very beat up body from athletics, uh, seven reconstructive surgeries, you know, teaches you a lot about yourself and depression and all that sort of stuff. So that just set me on a path, uh, you know, towards pursuing optimal health. I got, became certified as a Wim Hof method instructor, became a, uh, a personal, personal trainer, and then got into other modalities and started connecting all these pieces and started realizing that there's all these different pillars that go into your optimal health and wellness. It's not just nutrition. It's not just your fitness. It's not just your sleep. It's not just your, your, your meditation. It's all of it together. Right? So when, when you, when you, when you pursue, you know, um, you know, spiritual growth, you know, developing, uh, you know, a, a pretty robust mindset, uh, you know, physically becoming strong, um, you know, and then also, you know, working on the other things, your relationships and all that other stuff, it all lends a hand to you becoming a better, uh, more well-rounded person. So that's my purpose is to help people realize that for themselves. Yeah. And you use the phrase like connecting the dots, like you started connecting the dots and realizing that it wasn't just one thing. And you brought up a couple things that are really poignant are, you know, we, we seek comfort we have a hard time pursuing our health when we're in survival mode, which when we're in stress mode, we're in survival mode. And we kind of go, we lean then towards comfort instead of health mm -hmm. on repetition. Right. And, and so connecting the dots, it's not, there's not one magic pill. There's not one magic solution. There's not one shortcut I wish is, <laughs> I know. And I, and I will say that there well, have been some, <laughs> some like faster tracks I would yeah. like that I've experienced more recently is, and, and I say fast tracks, because if you remove something that's not working well, you can, you can sort of see the benefits pretty quickly. Yeah. Or if you start adding in something that like sleep, for instance, when you haven't been getting sleep and then all of a sudden you start getting good sleep, it's like, wow, life is changing. It's better. It's different. 
<laughs> if you could put sleep in a capsule and sell it, you'd be a bajillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> when you work with people at the beginning of like, so someone comes to you to work with you in the optimizing their health capacity, what's, what would you say is like the most prominent thing that you see that's like a quick fix solution for them to start putting into their life? So, I mean, I, I could go in a, in a lot of different directions with this, but I think it's, it's really comes down to having like an understanding that it's a balancing game and it's not just this nutrition. It's not just, you know, the fitness, it's, it's all these things together. And when, when we do like our check-ins, you know, if I'm working with a client on a one-on-one basis, you know, we do our weekly check-in, um, you know, and I, and, I, and we go through like the, like the different pillars and it's like, okay, well, you know, you've crushed this, this, and this, but then like, that's kind of out of whack and you're feeling yourself sort of, you know, you're feeling like the stress in your life. You know, when you have like these, uh, you know, stress, it's like, it's like indicator like on the, on the dashboard saying, Hey, pay attention to me. Something's out of alignment in, in my life. Right. You know, and when typically when that happens, you're probably not going to sleep as well. You're probably going to skip out on doing things like your breath, where your meditation, your breath work in the morning, you're, you're probably going to skip on those because there's more important things to do. you got to take care of whatever this, you know, stress is. And it's probably something that has to do with your work or your business. And chances are, it's just a blip on the radar in the, in the grand scheme of life. So it's really just getting like the foundation set and understood and getting them to actually apply that and you know, create that new neuro circuitry, um, you know, the 21 days form a new habit to get that, you know, wired and fired. So where like, this is now, you know, it's now feels odd if you don't do these habits, if you don't, you know, practice what you're actually um, wanting to practice. You know, now it's like, I'm in such a habit of jumping in the ocean every morning where I don't, when I don't do it, I'm like, hmm, feels a little weird today. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you saying too, it's like, it's like people might come to you because they have a problem and what you're trying to inevitably begin to teach them is to come to a sense of, you use the word understanding, but it's also getting curious about yeah. the things that are, that start to become like, oh, wow, this is a pattern or this is something that's missing. Yeah. So when you're not getting, it's, it's not, it's not really rocket science, yeah. even though sometimes it might seem like there's back to that, you know, like one magic, one magic way, but it's like, it is the whole thing. Oh, wow. If I really look back, I, I had this happen yesterday. One of the guys that was um, helping me out teaching my early ass morning class, he's like, ah, I'm just, I'm really tired today. And, and I, you know, it's 7am at this point. And I asked, well, what time did you go to sleep at? And he's like, one, and I was like, well, fuck yeah, you're tired because you yeah. got maybe five hours of sleep, yeah. not even five hours because you had to be here by 540. And so it's like, even just in conversation back to just how you can start working with people is it starts yeah. with a conversation is yeah. it's a back and forth and a figuring things out um, mm-hmm. to not necessarily pinpoint the one thing, but like, let's start here. Let's start working with this. Let's start working with how much you're moving or not moving, how much you're stressed about your work or yeah. you're not. And then um, talk about the the jumping in the ocean. Like what is, what is the jumping in the ocean part for you? Obviously it's become a ritual and rhythm that if you're not doing it, you feel like you're missing it. But like, why did you start it? Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's funny how we get into patterns in our lives and when we kind of break out these patterns, like literally it's like your brain isn't used to that because you've now fired, wired and fired these new um, pathways. But I've gotten to the rhythm just because 
my, well, for one, my ice bath here at the house broke. <laughs> so my cold plunge doesn't work anymore here. So I still want to get my morning cold plunge. I think it starts my day off on such a high note. You know, it's like if you didn't take in a cold shower, it's difficult and challenging. Well, you know, when you're in a body of cold water, it's even more challenging and even more mentally, uh, you know, stimulating. So if you can overcome that and get a win at the, at the beginning of your day, like what else can you do? Right. If you overcome came the challenge of the cold, which we're all falling green into us to be afraid of the cold. Right. Because it's from a survival standpoint, if you fell into ice cold water, the chances that you could die. Right. But in the now, you know, people do it for health purposes. But the, the my favorite component of it is the um, the mental and like the spiritual component of it is because like I feel very still and calm in it. I typically do breath work before I go and do it. So I'm in a very kind of channeled in an aligned state. So when I'm out there, it's just me and an intimate connection with nature. The waves are crashing around me and I'm just out there observing like the beauty of the world and connected with it. And obviously the health benefits are great. It's good for your cardiovascular system and burns brown fat and calories and the negative ions of the ocean, all these sorts of things. It's all great, but I really just like the spiritual and the mental component of it. Yeah. And how do you get, you said you start with breath work. And so you get, you use the words channeled and aligned before you even get into the water. Yeah. And, and I've done this with you a couple of times. So I felt very different when you were leading it for the groups that um, I was a part of versus when I've done it on my own. Mm -hmm. So talk through that, like, what are you saying to yourself or saying to a group as they're going into the water to get, or maybe, maybe backtrack is like, you first get channeled and aligned. What does that look like? And then the next part is, is like, how is your mindset as you're walking into the water? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to the group? So I guess getting channeled in a line is just being getting in a real meditative state, really channel and you know, getting real very, very present with ourselves. You know, when when we're meditating, we're trying to be present as present as possible without falling asleep, right? You know, and it's a good skill to have. It's good, it's a good like sword to constantly be sharpening because the more present we are in our lives, the more engaged we are in conversations like we're having right now, the more uh, you know, in tune we are with how we're feeling, how we're operating. And we're being maybe more respondent in our lives and less reactive. And when, when 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 that happens, you have more attachment to the present moment. And you ultimately could be happier because you can't be happy in the past or the future, only when you're present. So the more present you are, the richer your life is. So that's what you're trying to do when you're meditating. You're trying to influence your the way your brain's wired and fired, and you're trying to influence your subconscious to be able to gain back a little bit more control because we're actually not in as much control of our day as we think we are. 90% of our decisions are patterns of behaviors that are programmed into us from previous uh, the previous life that we've lived. So what I'm saying to myself when I'm walking into the ocean is different um, than kind of, it's it's a lot. I mean, I guess it's just like, uh, it's a bridge from what I'm telling people if I'm, if I'm with the group. I'm telling myself, you know, well, first I'm, I'm just finding a center. So I'm trying to empty my mind before I go in there. So I'll, I'll take a few conscious breaths. Just few, you know, deep diaphragmatic breaths, you know, fully expand my lungs, let it go. I'll go into the, I'll go, you know, I'll walk in and just walk in as um, confidently as possible. I'm not going to be afraid of it. Ooh, like, you know, it's so cold or, you know, and then walk in as confidently as possible. And then whenever like like a big, like a, like a wave comes in or like a roller comes in, I'll, I'll dive through it. So I just completely get into it. You know, I won't let myself like go in slowly. Otherwise it increases the, uh, the resistance factor. So, so get right in, dive in. And then I just tell myself like, 
don't focus on the pain because it's, it's pain. You know, it's not like what people would traditionally think pain is. Um, maybe an ice bath is definitely people really feel the pain there. The ocean is not quite an ice bath, but if you're staying long enough, you could get a lot of similar benefits. So I just tell myself, don't focus on the pain because what is pain? It's just, it's just a sensation that you attribute uh, a meaning to, right? So it could be pain or it could be a, just a radical sensation, a radical you know feeling in life, which if, if that's the case, then you're, you're radically alive in that moment, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, if the majority of us are just kind of drifting through our lives, we never have that spark. And that's why people who come to like a, a workshop that I'll do where I'll, I'll introduce them to the cold, whether it's an ocean or an ice bath, and I, and I coach them how to surrender to that and be able to control themselves through it. People feel so alive and so empowered after that experience. It's like, holy shit, look what I just did. I felt, I mean, I haven't felt this alive ever before. And it's, you know, you can say it's like a peak life experience. So I think doing that on a regular basis makes you really feel in touch with everything with yourself. And then also it's just a great thing to uh, build more uh, mental uh, resiliency. Yeah. And you said a lot, you said a lot about like the present moment. So it's like, like if you feel yourself, the sensations, not put a word to it, but feel what's exactly happening at the moment. Yeah. Like even right now I'm sitting here, I can feel the way that I'm sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. I can see you, even though we're not in the same room and I can feel connected to you. And that's just what's happening. There's no thoughts. There's yeah. not a worry. What's the next question I'm going to ask you, or where are we going to go from here? Exactly. And it's really cool to have those moments, even when they're not radical, like it's not life or death in that kind of nervous system jacked way that we can get when we go into cold water. And yeah. I think sometimes we're always kind of like what I'm seeing with this is sometimes we we're seeking out that next thing that's going to like radically change us. And really yeah. the radical changes are happening in these subtle yeah. moments of simplicity where we're living our life. And then the other part of it, what you were saying is when you do these cool things that you go to some extreme, you then realize what you're capable of through the rest of the day. Oh, now, I yeah. think that sitting in a cold shower is way harder than going in the ocean. Like it's hard to get to the ocean. And I say hard and I live one mile from it. It's yeah. more of the like, I got to get my stuff and pack my bag. And then like, I know that I'm going to be cold afterwards, no matter what my feet are always cold in the, like after in the sand, Yeah. but there's something about being able to turn the nozzle of the shower back to warm yeah. that it takes the discipline to, to like commit to that on a regular basis. Yeah. So if you don't, I've called you a couple of times and you're like, Oh, I just got out of the, I got about, you know, let me call you in like 10 minutes. I just, I'm about to jump in a cold shower. I just got out of a cold shower. <laughs> How long, how long do you sit in the cold shower? And like, what are you, you know, because not everybody that's listening has access to either a cold plunge or a cold ocean and our ocean is going to warm up here in a little bit, but like you're, you're in the water in the, in your shower. How long do you stay in it for optimal benefits? And like, where do you put the shower? So like, is it on your chest? Do you put it on your shoulders? Cause I can't, there's like a, I'm, I'm like a sissy when it comes to it. Like I said, I want to turn the knob off. Yeah, honestly, like, you know, the cold, like the water right now in the showers isn't really even cold enough to, I mean, it's more for the mental side of things right now. Just like the fact that you're, you're disciplining yourself in the morning time to take take a cold shower. You know, that's also another motivator to to go in the ocean right now. 
Uh, but if you are taking a cold shower, I would definitely would rotate yourself around like like your rotisserie chicken and uh, just you know, get it all over. Uh, definitely, I find that it's really hard and to hit the back of the head. You know, hit your back of the head on on the when it's real real cold, like peak winter time. The back of the head, like where where the brainstem is, I think something about that just like really like you know it's difficult. Um, but yeah, definitely hit your chest, hit your back. Um, your the brown fat in your body typically resides up here in your shoulder blades, so. Definitely want to hit that. Try to you know get that turned on a little bit, get your metabolism boosted up. But timeline, it just kind of depends, you know, on the temperature of the water. I think you know, really for the cold showers, um, you're building it's more resiliency. You're building more of the mental resiliency. You're doing something difficult. You're starting your day off with the wind, and uh, you don't always have to take cold showers if you're feeling a little sick, you know, or feeling a little under under the weather. It's the difference between feeling tired. If you're feeling tired, cold showers will, will wake you up, right? If you're, if you're feeling well, under the weather, don't take a cold shower. You know, don't add extra stress onto the body. If, uh, you know, before bed, you don't need to take a cold shower. It's not necessary unless you, unless you like, really want to. But to, to each their own. I know a lot of people that are just militant, like only cold showers. I've been taking a hot shower in two years. It's like, cool. You, you know, you don't, that's, that, that, that's what makes you happy. But if you think you're, you're, you're trying to squeeze an extra like 1% of like, you know, health out of things, like I don't think you really are. Um, yeah. definitely it's a great way to start, start your day off in the morning time before bed. I think getting yourself in a nice relaxed state and heating your body up actually is that is, is better for, for deeper sleepers. And then you're cooling down throughout the night instead of warming yourself up. Um, mm. so you don't want your metabolism being boosted at that time. You want everything slowing down. So that's a little thing uh, that I would definitely suggest because people always ask me like, Oh, you probably never take hot showers. I'm like, no, I take them all every day, every night. I love them. Yeah. Well, and back to what we first started talking about is there's not one magic way. It's sort of like try all these different ways and things that you can try cold showers the morning, get middle of the day, whatever it is, you wake up instead of eating like a handful of M&Ms or something, whatever. <laughs> in the middle of the day. You know, that's what I used to do. It was like middle of the day. I was tired. I'd be like, I'm going to have a coffee. I need some chocolate or some sugar, whatever. But realistically, it was like, I just need a mood change. I might need to get outside. I might, you know, yeah. go for a walk, fresh air. Watch some cold water. I feel like it's. Yeah. It's like these little things of, I'm going to try something different and I'm going to see what that does. And then I'm going to get in what you said about the morning routine is then when it's missing, you're like, Hmm, something feels off. Yeah. Maybe that's why you want some energy in the middle of the day, sit down, lay down for five minutes and do some breath work. There's all kinds of different, there's there's all kinds of different ways to do, you know, different types of breath work too you know speed up you know, speed yourself up make yourself more energized you know more relaxed more focused more present it's all there's a whole modality all kinds of different modalities now when you teach the breath work that you teach in like a let's say like the class setting where i first you know formally met you is it's standardly almost about an hour like 45 minutes or so from tip to butt, yeah, with explanation and meditation at the end and kind of like conversating and all that sort of stuff. It's like I can have it be like an, an hour long class experience. But if you were doing like that kind of breath work in a more like uh, routine manner on, in your daily life, it should be about 15 minutes long. The okay. breathing portion alone, just in class, and that class is about half an hour. Yeah. All right. So if someone's doing it on a regular basis, like a daily practice, 15 minutes or less each day. Yeah. Yeah. 15 minutes should be about three rounds. 
of a uh, Wim Hof style breath work practice that you could do in the morning time. Lay down, sit down, don't do it standing up or driving or in water, never do it in water. Uh, you know, go take yourself through the three rounds of the breath work. You know, it's a great way to tap into deep states of meditation and also, uh, you know, really align your, your, your chemistry in your body and make you make get your cells nice and alkaline. Um, it's a great way to start your day off. Yeah. Now, one thing that people have, I've heard, and I don't agree with, I, I know the, I know the rationale behind this, but I want you to speak through it is some people will take one principle and then they'll apply it to everything as in like, well, you know, you're not supposed to breathe through your mouth. So, so in this style of breathing at points, yeah. you breathe through your mouth. So, but what, you know, you've talked about, and I know this is the majority of your life, you should be breathing about five to six breaths in and out per minute in through your nose, out through your nose or your mouth. But when you're doing no, breath work, it's just up, always, always, up, yeah, just always your nose. Through your nose. Yeah. Only your nose is meant for breathing and breathing only. That's the only thing it's meant for. Like your mouth is, is like, should be only brought into the equation. You're doing a specific type of breath work practice or if you're speeding up your, um, your exercise, your, your, your heart rate's reaching certain levels that you need to offload more carbon dioxide. Right. And so when someone gets all in a tizzy about like, well, this breath technique, it's yeah. for 15 minutes. It's yeah. not for how many hours, how many minutes are there in an entire day? Lots of minutes yeah. and 15 of them done in this fashion is really great for so many parts of your body. 100%. And the majority of breath should be done yeah. every minute, even when you're sleeping through your nose. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I tell people, um, because I've been posted with that question a lot, I, I tell people that you don't exercise all day long unless you're running some crazy ultra endurance marathon. But even then, you don't do that every day of your life. So you exercise an hour a day or an hour a day, five days a week, whatever it might be. And then you go about your normal life. You come back to homeostasis. And I, I think that we kind of forget that. You no, know, in a lot of ways, in, in in regards to this argument of, well, you know, you're not supposed to breathe through your mouth or, you know, ever. It's like, well, you don't also do, you know, hang cleans or you don't do, uh, you know, squats all day long with weight on your back. Right. Or you don't, you're not doing, a, you know, vinyasa flow all day long. Um, so it's just another exercise. It's another way just to train your body and all, it has all these benefits to it, too. What's another question that you get asked to that you have to defend anything that comes to mind i have to defend oh i mean i go you know <laughs> a lot of different ways with this i i um i mean we could talk about you know nutrition we could talk about you know styles of training we could talk about psychedelics we could talk about let's anything. go to the psychedelics okay you want to talk about psychedelics um yeah so i guess in that regard i uh, I, I definitely, you know, being a, uh, someone who's very, uh, you know, choose, tries to live a conscious life and enhance my consciousness through different tools, you know, psychedelics is obviously, is obviously one meditation, breath work, you know, time in nature, things like that. I definitely have, I know people who are like devout meditators who have, you know, very, you know, follow like Zen Buddhism and they are very proud of that. They, you know, they're very proud that they've, you know, done this for 20, 30 years. And then they see psychedelics as like a shortcut. It's a shortcut to get people into consciousness. And it's like, I see your argument. Sure. But, you know, they haven't walked the path that you have, obviously. Right. But not everyone's going to do that. And there's a lot of suffering in the world. Right. 
And, you know, a lot of people are playing in this world, you know, but it's too serious. The greatest cause for disability in the world is anxiety, is anxiety and depression. And that's a problem, right? And that wouldn't be a problem if we elevate our consciousness. So if you look at the neuroscience of meditation of psychedelics, it's very, very similar what it does to our thinking areas of our brain. So the thinking areas of our brain are downregulated and the other areas of our brain are upregulated. So uh, that, that's as far as like psychedelics goes. When you're in a meditative state, the thinking areas of your brain are mirroring that as if you were asleep. So in that regard, psychedelics and meditation are very, very similar. But these other areas of your brain that are now lit up, these are the areas where new neurocognitive pathways can be wired and fired. So new habits can be, you know, engraved. So I tell people that, you know, psychedelics can serve as a tool to, to some people to show them that there's a path of healing, of growth to be had, that maybe they weren't aware that was even there to begin with. It could maybe set them on a path to then see that, hey, I, I, I owe it to myself to heal and to grow and to do other things in my life to enhance my consciousness. So then I could do again to meditation and whatever else might be. So I think, I think it's, it's a tool and it's not a replacement and they see it as it being a replacement. Yeah. Well, I mean, back to like the breath work thing, it's, this is one breath work for 15 minutes doing a special technique is a tool towards optimal health. And you're not doing it all the time. You're also not walking around the world having psychedelics yeah. in your system 24 no. seven. It's something that, you know, if someone was to, you have a microdosing company that you um, speak specifically about like microdosing as a tool that is, can be used on a more regular basis versus like what maybe the stigma can be sometimes around psychedelics as like, you know, I don't want to say like the one-off situations, but not something that you do as regularly. Sure. Sure. A microdose compared to like a macrodose. Um, a macrodose, you're obviously, you know, you're in a, uh, you're, you're tripping, you could say, but it's definitely something you're much more um, intentional with. You're doing, you're, you're planning, you're set, you're setting for. When you're on microdose now, you're not feeling the effects. Macrodose, you're definitely feeling the strong effects, right? Microdose, you're feeling very, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be really feeling necessarily effects. If anything, you just feel more elevated and more maybe just uh, heightened. Uh, but when I tell people that when they take a microdose, if I, you know, prescribe that to people in their, uh, in, in our coaching practice, uh, I'll tell people to take it and forget it. Forget you took it and go about your day. At the end of your day, audit your day. Were you more in tune, focus? You know, do you feel more like alive in the world, more more present in your body, more just, you know, overall present? Did you feel more like yourself? Yes. Chances are it's usually yes. And it's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even realize. And it's like, yeah, that's because it literally is quieting down that, that, that brain that your default mode network is called. It's quieting that down and helping you be more locked into the present moment where life actually happens. So you're going to feel more like yourself when you have less ruminating thoughts, worrying about, you know, bullshit from the past or bullshit from the future that hasn't happened yet. Because that's what the mind is there to do. It's there to, to remember the past and remember all the times you've been hurt or wronged or whatever it might be, or, or forecast the future to give you a better shot survival right now. So the brain is, I mean, the mind is there to keep you alive not keep you happy. It actually takes conscious effort to keep you happy to, or to, to pursue happiness, to, to be happy. So it takes practice and not all of us are good at it. That's why we, you know, a lot of people suffer in life and it's people, we don't have to suffer as much as we do. I mean, suffering is a part of life. There's probably there's suffering, right? You need one to balance the other. It's a yin and yang, right? 
but you don't have to have so much of, of the one. So when you t- you use the phrase audit your day, I love that. When you have someone audit their day, what specific questions are you asking them to ask themselves? And I bring this up because this could be like a really good journaling prompt for yeah. someone that's yeah. checking in on their own personal progress at the end of each day. Yeah. So I would say, you know, you know I, 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 I tried to, uh, you know, ask the questions of, you know, how do you, how, how do you feel? How do you feel now? How did you feel at the beginning of your day? How, how have you been feeling in life? What's the difference and how, and let them sort of come to these kinds of feelings and these conclusions of the growth and the progress that they've been coming, uh, that they've uh, sort of been discovering for themselves. But it's really, it's not, I'm not trying to be, you know, going with like a scalpel. It's just sort of letting them sort of realize the, the, these, uh, you know, progressions that they've made with themselves. There's like subtle shifts versus yeah. this overarching. Yeah, I've got to answer every single know, question. The subtle shifts add up. You know, it's it's a, it's a brick by brick thing. You know, Rome wasn't built overnight, and we want we want so desperately to take that easy, you know, way out, like like, like take that magic pill at the very beginning, like we were talking about. In reality, it's just if you just show up day after day and you keep doing it, you start seeing the, the progress that's made. The cool thing with microdosing is that you you see definitely you see you feel the the benefits like almost immediately though because you you feel like definitely a shift in your level of consciousness your level of present moment awareness like right away day one you'll day one day two maybe day three you'll notice these sort of shifts you know it might not be so sudden right away but you'll definitely notice like your habit behavior your habit changes especially if you're journaling them down and microdosing journaling yeah. Really suggest people to do if they start doing a practice of that. Yeah, the other day I um, I went on a hike and I did a microdose. Went on a hike and I towards the end I sat. It was at Rattlesnake and yeah. there's flowing water. It's awesome. Yeah. And I good, sat good. on this rock and I was in this like was what was really interesting was I was in this space of like when I went up I was like. I don't know, like just more aware of everything. I didn't mm-hmm. want to, I started listening to a book and I was like, I don't want to listen to this book. I like didn't want anything coming in that wasn't my own creation or nature. Yeah. And then when I got to the top, I was like, I feel like running. And so I started, I put on some like raging kind of music and then started to run. And what's funny about this trail, those of you that are in Santa Barbara is I don't personally think it's a very runnable trail because every time I'd start running, when you'd get like a smooth part, then it would get kind of rocky, rocky and stumbly. And I'm not a great trail runner and have shoddy ankles. So I was like, every time I'd kind of like almost force myself, then I'd get stopped. And so what, what I noticed about it was I was then in this inquiry stage place with myself where I was like, huh, this is really interesting. Why am I trying to force something forward? That's just like, I'm literally hitting a rock to to stop me. And anyway, I get to this moment when I'm closer towards the end, I'm sitting on this rock, listening to the water. And all of a sudden I just get like kind of overtaken with emotion. And I had the question come up similar to what you were just bringing up is why is this like, why does this process take so long? Why does it feel like whatever answer that I'm seeking is taking such a long time to come to the surface. And what was 
clear for me was there wasn't an answer. It was just more of like, because this is where you're supposed to be. It was like this soft, quiet, calm, awesome space of like allowing emotions to rise to the surface. Being in this really epic was very rainforesty kind of moment. And then, and appreciating just, I wasn't in a state of suffering, but it's, it's interesting because it could go that way depending on how I look at it. And, and I, and I bring that up because it's, if I was listening to music and listening to podcasts and constantly like having things come in versus taking the intentional time to say, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to not be with anyone else except for myself. It's, it is a fast track in a way, but it's also done super intentionally. So it's this, you know, whether someone audits their day at the end of the day, or you decide to cold plunge in the morning or take cold showers or eat bone broth, drink bone broth, all these things. It's like these little small things are actually creating like giant shifts. And I feel like it's, it hasn't been, it didn't happen on its own. It happened when I started to kind of, I I guess, like let my guard down around even just like the judgment around psychedelics or the judgment around something that could be, you know, like the Wim Hof method, super popular right now. I mean, when you taught a class at my studio, like people were like, there's too many people here. Like you yeah. need to let less people in. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like everyone wants this. And part of it's because like it does get you to those states that we are seeking in moments, but it is all of those other moments when we are just living our life with the people that we're living our lives with that we all those things that we're doing that have the impact that we're looking for and seeking so that we're not suffering when we're I don't know encountering a mean neighbor or waiting in line at the grocery store or stuck in traffic yeah you're it's like it's practice it's practice so when you have those life moments with uh, the mean neighbor or you're stuck in line at the grocery store are you going to react to that new neighbor or, or like react to like, you know, scoffing at the long line or whatever it might be? Are you going to like give away your, your fucks for the day? Or are you going to like just, you know, shrug it off and just, you know, have patience. Yeah. I think I, I, I like to think that I like to think that you have a, uh, like a jar of fucks to give during the day and uh, you only have a limited amount. And if you give up too early, then like the rest of your day is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a good one. It's kind of like, uh, my, my daughter has this marble jar and she's like, every time at school they get like, you know, they get to put little marbles in the marble jar when they do something good. And then she, she doesn't get the whole thing. She brings it, she brought a jar, we gave her a jar and then she's like, oh mom, you get to put a marble in the marble jar. But then she keeps taking the marbles out. So I'm like, well, we don't get to see how good we're doing because we keep taking it out. But part of that, like, you know, that auditing of ourselves is at the end of your day, did you give away all of your marbles to someone else that didn't deserve them? Or, um, exactly. you know, the, you, you didn't leave any for yourself. Yeah. In a way that too. asshole won, you know, the asshole actually won who cut you off and like flipped you off or something. Yeah. You know, who knows? Like, like I actually won. He got the best of you instead of being like, there, I'm going to, you know, keep going about my day. Totally. Yeah. Well, Greg, where can people find you? Where is, um, what's your website, your Instagram, all those things. So my Instagram is at OFX underscore coach. Uh, I'm most active on there. I have a newsletter as well. Um, if you're interested in joining that, just shoot me a, a DM. 
My website is ofxhealth.com. Uh, I need to get that reinstated because I just realized that the hosting was um, off. So that'll be reinstated today. And I'm working on uh, editing that and coming out with a whole online programming. You know, I want to get some group coaching go- going as well. Uh, online, you know, groups and put people into pods and help us kind of like all work synergy, uh, synergistically with each other. And then also uh, have some content on there so people can have access to breathwork recordings or different states of consciousness. And I'm going to be keep doing, you know, uh, events. Uh, you know, we'll keep doing stuff together. Breathwork classes at the studio there. Um, you know, we're talking about doing our rejuvenation day. It will be a whole day of uh, breathwork and ice baths and conscious discussion on different health and wellness topics, yoga, you know, good food. And then uh, a journey in the uh, in the afternoon, mushroom journey in the afternoon. So lots of cool things coming down the pipeline. Um, definitely stay in touch. Probably the best place is Instagram and uh, also on the newsletter. And I will, and then my website will be uh, optimized as well. Yeah. Optimized, good word. And, yeah. and then what about um, the the Muse? Oh, so Muse, uh, that is a microdosing company that. Um, I'm friends with. They are amazing people. A uh, great company. They have uh, all kinds of different uh, products geared around microdosing. So if you guys want to learn about that, I work with the, them um, with my clients. Uh, if they're interested in microdosing, you could check them out. Um, their Instagram is at mymuselife.com. And the website, I believe, also is at mymuselife.com. Cool. And then one question on that is that, you know, have, are there any really good resources that you've looked at, listened to, have inspired your journey around optimizing your health that you've, you know, even like think of like a person, I, I want to use the word mentor, but that's not like what I'm like see, looking at is, but more of like resources that you like to turn to when you're learning sure, about yeah. you optimizing health. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot. You know, I, um, real early on, I started listening to like the, the Tim Ferriss podcast and the Joe Rogan podcast way back in like 2014. So guests on the podcast back then, like, you know, Tim Ferriss' whole thing is like, he likes to like tease out the tips and tricks from like high level performance and different walks of life. And Joe Rogan, you know, I would have those people on as well and have much more of a kind of a conversation rather than a sort of interview like Ferriss would. So back then I started hearing and listening to a lot of this, these very high level sort of interesting people and started seeing like similarities a lot of them were doing uh, and started, you know, putting the, bringing those into my life. Um, you know, different people, I guess, uh, you know, some of those guests and people that I admire that have left an influence on me or people like Wim Hof, um, Andrew Huberman, who else? Aubrey Marcus, uh, Fer- you know, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, they're, they're great it's a big list. I mean, I, I, I can keep going on and on. If you guys yeah. want any other recommendations, let me know. Um, but yeah. those are the ones that come to mind right now. Like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, Peter Atia, those guys are great. Well, Dr. Andy Galpin is pretty cool. Yeah. And what I guess what the, the big thing for me, what I'm kind of getting at here is like, we're not living in a silo where you're trying these things out just because you got some random idea to do them. It's people all over the world that have, including, you know, when you were young and your dad taught you some of these things is like, 
it's not happening on accident. We're seeking the information out, you know, you and I both. And I feel, um, you know, just a lot of immense gratitude to have, you know, started to share a little bit more of a journey with you since December of going to your first breathwork class and, and learning, I guess, learning from each other, learning from people who've been, I don't know, call it optimizing their health for longer than we have. And yet, you know, having a voice too, to share with, anyone that's listening, people that are in Santa Barbara that want to, you know, work with us. And um... yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, like, and there's also, you know, there's, I mean, I, my house is covered in books. I, I buy more than I read. <laughs> I yeah. you know, find myself being, you know, very uh, busy as we all are. So I, like, lately my, my reading hasn't been nearly on, on pace with, with my, the books that I read. Um, but there's tons of like, you know, these giants, you know, sitting on the shoulders of giants of like these people that come before and reading like their stuff, like, you know, um, like Miyamoto Musashi is this amazing Japanese sword fighter who's also wrote a book called The Book of Five Rings. It's like a book about lifestyle and you know, about how to live a very, uh, you know, kind of honorable lifestyle and like practice, reach mastery in the different arts of life. You know, Ram Dass, you know, Be Here Now, that's a great book. There's all kinds of, you know, amazing books that, you know, and so much knowledge out there that people have already lived. And I like, you know, you could, people like to say hacking, you could hack, you know, hacking this from that, or, you know, but I just think it's like pulling the, the you know, tips and tricks from different people, different, different uh, things that people have, you know, focused their lives on and taking what you like from that and putting, bringing it into your life. You don't have to completely embody it, but I think there's so much knowledge and information out there. that's already been discovered or practiced or learned that, you could, you know, take some, some of the stuff that applies to you and bring it into your life. You know, I, I definitely feel that way with a lot of things, especially, you know, things like nutrition, you know, some people are so loyal to one, you know, thing, but in reality, it's like, Hey, if you like some of that, cool. Take some of that, bring it into your life, take some of that, bring that into your life. And, uh, you know, if feel what feels good for yourself. Yeah. And just like you say, have your clients do is like, see what's working. audit it, figure it out, see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you. What's making a difference is the key to optimizing your health. What's making a difference in the, in the positive direction. Exactly. Thank you for listening. If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith and check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.